we need the anointing of God. The anointing is that divine enablement of the Holy Ghost or the power of God to operate and function in our life. And some of us men need the anointing of God on our life to really be our father. We need the anointing of God in our life. Some of us business people, we need an anointing. You can go through the motion, and I don't want to go through the motion. You should want to be anointed. You're listening to the Anointed Leadership Podcast with Terry Lynn Scott. Subscribe today to start cultivating more leadership anointing in your life. Now here's your host, Terry Lynn Scott. Everybody, welcome back to the Anointed Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lynn Scott. I, again, so grateful that you're joining me today. Uh, Today's episode is very special to me. Uh, We are in episode number 45, and I'm titling this 10 Things I Did to See My Church Grow. Now, many people out there will say, well, there is no real church growth uh, principles and things like that. And, And I agree with that. I agree with the book of Acts. Uh, chapter two, that it said, and the Lord added to the church daily. And so I believe it's God's job to add to the church. However, I do believe that we as shepherds and as pastors, that it's our job to uh, utilize our skill, to sharpen ourselves, to make sure that we're doing everything that we're supposed to do, that people will follow us. And, uh, and, and so that's what I want to talk about today is not how do you grow your church, But what I did, and I have seen significant increase in my church. When I took over in 2020, we averaged about 175 people. That's total kids, teenagers, adults alike. Uh, And then now in, uh, we're we're shooting this in, in October of 2022 that you're seeing this. We are running anywhere between 450 and 475 on a Sunday morning. Now that is what's happened through the pandemic. And when everybody else was closing doors, shutting down and trying to get people to come, what I seen is a significant uptick in attendance and people joining my church. The membership is on average four families a month that join our church. And so when you think about that, that's pretty profound and pretty powerful. I do believe it's God that adds to the church though. But what I do, I also do believe is that we as shepherds, we have responsibilities to be leaders. And Jesus took 12 men, impacted them in such a way, and look at the church today globally, billions of people over the last 2,000 plus years have come to know Jesus Christ, amen. And so I wanna talk about that because I really do believe that it is God's job to add to the church, but it's our job to work out our salvation, to walk in the gift, to increase our faith in our gift, and sharpen the skills and the tools that God has given us as leaders. Uh, And so I'm gonna read uh, three verses and just wanna touch into them, and then I'm gonna jump in to the 10 things. So as you're you're listening to this today, uh, we are starting tomorrow, Uh, is my first annual uh, anointed leadership conference, October the 14th and 15th. It's not too late. You can still register on our website, terrylenscott.com. And I would greatly appreciate if you want to do that. Uh, And doing that, this is a special one because we're launching this the day before. uh, Is My goal in my conference is... Uh, how do you develop people to run with the vision? And that's the key to growth, is causing people to know who they are, not by my, my standard, but God's, getting them to understand and discover who they are so they can do exactly and know exactly what they're supposed to do. And when they do it, your church will flourish. And, and you hear me say church, but it's whatever organization. I'm just speaking from my own experience. Your, your organization will flourish, it will grow, it will, it will expand when you understand that there are some things that we must do to see the vision come to pass. Amen. A couple of the verses in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, it says, Be shepherds 
of God's flock that is among you, watching over them, not out of compulsion, but because it is God's will, not out of greed, but out of, and out of eagerness. Watch verse three, not lording it over those entrusted to you. So as a pastor, there's people that have been entrusted into me to pastor them, to equip them, to train them, to minister the gospel. And I can't lord over them. I can't just be the boss and lay the hammer down. Watch what he says, but being examples to the, to the flock. Examples, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah, it's, it's causing people to want to follow you because of your example in behavior, in speech, in your lifestyle, in your leadership, all of those types of things. Amen. Jesus had to deal, had this around him with his disciples. Remember in John chapter 6, 6 and verse 66, we call it the Antichrist verse, 666. Uh, the mark of the beast. The, <laughs> and in 666, the Bible says many of the disciples turned from him and followed him no more. In verse 68 of that, it says, but Simon answered him because the Lord said to him, uh, are you going to leave me too? And, and Peter said, uh, Lord, who, who shall we go? Watch what is next word. You have the words of eternal life. You, you must leave value. You must cause impact and you must crease people's lives that they understand what you have for them. As leaders, we have things for them. We have an anointing to help their life, not just accomplish a, a job or a task, but we have something for each person that follows us. And then he goes in verse nine. Also, we have, we have come to believe and know you are the Christ of the Son of the living God. So there are two things you have to understand in your leadership for people to follow you. This is what I did. Ten things I did to see my church grow, which simply means people are following me, is this. I understood what, I, what did I have. I had a vision. I had an anointing. I had a responsibility, right, to not lord over, but to, to uh, lead an example. This, the second thing I understood is who am I? You know, what? who am I? I am Terry. I am a leader. I know exactly who I am. I'm a pastor. I'm a man to help people. I know what I have and I know who I am. And they must understand who you are and what you have. And you do that by examples. Amen. Uh, I want to just give you a couple thoughts here. Number one is leadership requires great courage and discipline. If you're going to lead people and you're going to see growth, you're going to have to have a great courage and a great discipline. You cannot have any level of undisciplined lifestyle and be a great leader. You've got to prove discipline in every area of your life. Second thing I want to say is this, what I'm going to share with you is not a one size fits all plan for growth. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you take some principles of the Bible and you apply them, you'll see God move in your life. Amen. The third thing I want to say is this, convenience is the enemy of progress. These are things that I had to drill in my head. These are the things that I had to put on repeat for Terry to make sure that Terry understood. Convenience is the enemy of progress. If you're waiting for things to be convenient, you're going to limit and hinder your progress. You've got to do it when it's uncomfortable. And then the last thing, this is one of my favorite quotes, is excuses are doorways to failure. And if the more you can have excuses or you can have progress, but you cannot have both. And so you're going to have to eliminate your excuses to open up the doors to success and complete growth. Business, ministry, it doesn't matter what it is. You've got to can the excuses. Amen. So listen, let's jump into it today. 10 things that I did personally that helped spur growth in the ministry that I believe God has added to it daily. And here's the first thing. The number one thing is I embraced change. That's right. 
change, it's, it's upon us. It's inevitable for everybody else. I embraced change. And actually my very first podcast, episode number one, was called Embracing Change. And actually I did this podcast and, and taking me to a place in my life that I understood everything that I'm getting ready to do, everything that's happening, everywhere we're gonna go, everything that's the vision that's in my heart, it's gonna create, cause and create change and you have to embrace it, right? Uh, to grow, listen, I wrote a few thoughts on this in, in here and you go back and listen to that podcast and every one of these points are in my podcast because I, I bring to the truth of what happened in my life based on the on the podcast that I've done. I wrote this down. To grow, you must realize that you will not be able to stay where you are or who you are. You must move. You must change. You must not adapt to, to, to the society, but you must move in growth. Your mental growth, your health growth, your spiritual growth, all has to move. Your business has to move. It has to shift to some degree. We keep foundational truths the same, but the methods and the way we do things must grow. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to change. Tony Robbins said it this way. He said, change is inevitable. Progress is optional. You're going to change. But it depends on how much progress you have on how you move with that change, right? In my thought process, what did I do about embracing change? I, I, I learned this one thing, is if I don't change the way I think, and I don't change the what I'm saying, and I don't change the what I'm, see, what I'm seeing, I'll never change. So I had to change the way I thought, I had to change the way I spoke, and I had to change the things that I saw. What I may have seen was, was real, but it wasn't the, the vision that I know that God had placed in my heart. Uh, and, and in that, this is what I realized. The one thought that I realized, the greatest threat to your future is your current success. The greatest threat to your future success is simply your current success. Being happy right where you are, being content right where you are, enjoying right where you are and saying this is enough will hinder your future success. You have to embrace change. The first thing I did, I embraced change. The second thing I did, number two, I began confronting things head on to promote change. This is one of those things and for me uh, is, is a lot of times let's just talk about the ministry pastors pastors have a hard time com with confrontation they're afraid that they might uh, ruffle feathers people might leave them if they're big money donors that they won't give no more uh whatever i quit worrying about people in the sense of what they had but I, and i began to set my sights on the gospel uh and i don't want to say began but i've always done this but i realized that the standard of my life and the ministry and the values of our church we're all biblical truths and I'm only gonna side with the Bible and not with people's emotions. And so what I realize is if I'm going to see change and I'm gonna see growth, I've got to confront things head on. I can't give anything time to grow. I can't allow interest to build on from emotional interest or soulish interest, whatever that is. I can't allow that to build because it's gonna implode my, my ministry. So what I realized is this, problems don't go away. They either get solved or they become cancerous. They either destroy you or they get solved. Problems don't just go away. You can't sweep it under the rug. And so you gotta confront some things. I also set, think these thoughts, whatever you don't confront, and I've watched this, Whatever you don't confront will always repeat itself. It will always come back. If you don't change it, it will always come back to light. And here's the thing with confronting things, uh, head on to promote change, 
you must have hard conversations. And uh, so number two, I began confronting things head on to promote change, episode number five. I did this on my podcast, you can only change what you're willing to confront. And it's a powerful uh, podcast in my opinion, uh, because it really helps and dives into this, this, this uh, segment of what I'm saying. Because what it, basically what I'm saying is you can only change what you're willing to confront. If you're not willing to confront it, it'll never change. And they are hard conversations. And realizing this, if I don't have the hard conversation, it's gonna repeat itself. And if it continues to repeat itself, it's gonna be cancer that destroys my ministry or my business. And so we understand that. So one, what I do, I embrace change. Two, I began confronting things head on to promote change. Three, I stopped fearing failure. And episode number 15 I did is called Fail Forward. I think you've heard this before. And if you're any level of leadership or just anybody, anybody in level of any area of life, you've heard them on TikToks and YouTubes and business people. And, and you've seen this. Fail forward. Fail often and fail forward. And so I did one because I realized that the things that I was doing, the, the plan of God, the vision that God had placed at Abundant Life, and I never changed the vision when I took over the church. I, I, I caught the vision and all I'm seeing the vision do is evolve and do exactly what my father-in-law said in, in 1985 when he wrote the vision. It's happening today. And so what I realized is the fear of failure, which simply means I've never done this thing before. And if I've never done it, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what the experience might look like. I don't know what the outcome might be, but I'm telling you, it's nerve wracking. It's what ifs and all of the shouldas and the couldas and the wouldas. And the reality is if you get, if you stop fearing failure, you'll then be able to branch out and walk on water. Listen, when you are failing forward, each failure moves you closer to your ultimate success. See, it's nothing wrong with failure. You know, you've got to understand every time you fail, you learn from it. It's not your destiny. It's not the destination. It is your opportunity to learn what did or did not work in failure. And here's the next thought I have on this. You need to accept the fact that you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Just think about it. If you're, if you're going to do your best work, you're going to fail. And you'll never do your best work until you fail some. And it's okay. It's, it's okay if we swallow the pride and that's what really holds us back from moving forward because of fear of failure is the pride that's on the inside of us and we beat that thing. If you're gonna be innovative, if you're gonna be cutting edge, whatever that is, you need to free yourself from the innovative limiting shackles of perfection. Perfection will destroy you if everything has to be perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, I, and, and here's the reason why I said perfection is the enemy of success. And I heard Craig Rochelle say this on a GLS summit, uh, get mo good enough to move on and if it, if we get to that mindset that it's good enough which means it may not be perfect but it is good it, it, it may not be what the the, the the summit the epitome of what we want but it's good enough and the thing is is in my own staff uh, Stacy who does a lot of our graphics she's always tweaking and things like that and I told her Stacy stop with perfection is it good does it get the point across? get it done because every time every moment you spend wasting to fix it you're losing time on the next thing so you've got to be willing to fail forward jimmy squires my father-in-law the apostle of this church said that when he was asked how did you build such a successful ministry we're a global ministry today and we're we're touching people all over and he said it this way 80 percent failure and 20 percent uh, of what i did succeeded and god 
80% of what my father-in-law did to build the ministry we're in failed. And he's telling you that. And it's okay. Fail forward. Number one, right? Embrace change. Two, don't be afraid to confront things head on, which promotes change. Three, stop fearing failure. The fourth thing that I did is I did this. I moved from management style leadership to leadership style leadership. Uh, in episode 17 and 18, a two-part episode, uh, moving from management to, to leadership, management leadership to leadership style. And there is a difference there. Managing is this, controlling people or a task to accomplish a goal. That's what management is. It's, it's checkbox, making sure that it's, it's the, you know, the, the uh, going through the, the daily and the agenda, the weekly agenda, making sure people in the collaborative communication tool is doing their job, who's not doing it, helping them get the, because all we're worried about is the task or the, or the, or the goal, right? We're trying to, to control people or we're trying to control things, but that's management. Leadership style is the ability to influence people to contribute to the organization's success. It's different. You're, you're empowering people. You're, you're doing everything you can to influence them to contribute, not just accomplish. And that's a big difference. Listen, to do this, to move from management to leadership, I came from management style where everything was check boxes, making sure no room for creativity, no room for, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, I'm not bashing this type of leadership. I'm just saying I moved. Why? Because I knew where we were going. I saw something different and we could not do it with 175 people. We actually need about 1,500 people to do everything God's called us to do. And we're moving there. We're a third of the way, right? So what we realize is that we have to shift this type of leadership. To go from management to leadership is simply you got to you got to trust people. Uh, you got to relinquish the control of everything, and you got to be completely transparent and open for new things to happen. You got to also realize when I'm management, I'm worried about the the goal or the task or the or, or whatever that is. But when it's leadership, I'm more interested in the person. It's relational equity, right? So this is what I'm talking about. I, I move from management, the, the task, to leadership where I'm more interested in the person. And now I'm empowering them to do everything God's called them to do. This is what you find in our church. Eleanor Roosevelt said it this way. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. And that's what I want. I read that quote. I stuck that into my mindset. A great leader uh, empowers and, and influences and inspires people to have confidence in themselves, not just in me. And that's what number four was. I moved from management to leadership. One, I embraced change. Two, I confronted uh, things head on. Three, I stopped fearing failure. Four, I moved away from management to leadership. And number five, I chose my purpose over what everyone else is doing. The next best thing. Episode 16, I did purpose over popularity. This is what I did. I quit worrying about what everybody else was doing. I quit watching Instagram. I quit watching TikToks and Reels to find out what people were doing. And I went to God and said, God, what is my purpose? purpose. And I began to do that. I wrote it down in this way. And the way the way I believe it is, it's passion over excitement, passion over the next best thing. What are you passionate about? Go do that. And, and it's to me, it's like purpose has a passion. 
right? Purpose has a passion. In other words, it's like this. If, if you didn't pay me to do what I do, would I still do it? Yeah, because it's I'm passionate about it, right? And this is what I mean. Purpose has a passion. It, purpose doesn't need support from the outside. I don't need people cheering me on. Uh, the passion doesn't require external motivation. Uh, passion doesn't need approval from, from teams. Passion don't need this. Passion simply says what I love to do. This is what I do. And this is what God has birthed in me is I, ch I chose my purpose over what everybody else was doing. The popularity has excitement. This requires outside support because if there's no more support, then I'm going to change. That uh, it will consistent change consistently because it's not current. This is what popularity does. It will create confusion. You say you're doing one thing, but then in six months you're not doing it anymore. You're doing something else. You're always jumping to that next best thing. And I realize that in the church world and even in business, we try to keep up with what everybody else is doing. And what it does is just create confusion. Uh, to everybody on your team, to everybody you're servicing, to everybody in your church, whatever that is. Basically, it feels a lot like work. <laughs> I don't know if you understand, I love what I do. I get up every day, enjoy, can't wait to get to the office to, to, to help people. Watch, the, I wrote this in the, in the episode that I did. I, I did this whole statement. I did the whole podcast on this one thought. It's because I have a purpose. I will, be, I will live by design and not by default because there's competition for my time and attention. And you have to understand, you've got to live by design. There's so much of time and a, a competition for everything about you, your energy, your time, your attention, pay attention to, to do, to shift. No, you gotta live by design, not by default. So number six, I increased my capacity to lead. I increased my capacity to lead. Episodes number 28 and 29, another two-part series, increase your capacity to lead. This is probably one of the, the, the greatest things that I did. I, and, and you have to understand, I, this is a, a lengthy and in-depth podcast because it requires a lot of work to increase your capacity. Jesus said it this way, and he said it best, greater things you will do than I did. And I look at everything Jesus did and he told me I'm gonna do greater things. So that means I have to increase, I can't stay the same. If I don't change the way I think and lead, I become, this is what I realized, if I don't change the way I think and the way I lead people, I become the ceiling of what God wants to do through me. I become it, I am the ceiling. And if I don't change, I don't change my thought process, I don't increase my leadership, increase my thinking, then I'm the lid. I'm the lid of everything, I'm the ceiling. And nobody else around me is gonna get higher than that ceiling because I'm the leader, right? So we have to go up. And, and I talked about it in this, and this is what I realized, I have to encourage myself. Because if I listen to everybody around me, and I don't like yes men, but there's a lot of yes men around you because they're, they're, they're competing for your time and your attention. And you, you have to understand that they may not encourage you to keep going and do, they might look at you and say, that's crazy, <laughs> right? And I need some of that crazy in my life, but I have to realize I have to encourage myself. I have to expand my connections. If I'm gonna increase my capacity, I have to expand my connections. I joined some boards in the community. I enjoyed some leadership teams. I did some different things. I met some new people. I increased my connections, which means I'm gonna increase my leadership. Uh, I strengthened my character. And this is something that I'm doing constantly. I'm always looking at things that not I can just add to, but I need to take things out of my life. Things that doesn't promote a good character, the character qualities of Jesus, the attributes of Jesus. And so I'm eliminating things that don't so I can strengthen my character. 
listen, we're increasing my capacity. And you may be saying, Terry, I don't know that I can increase. I don't know that I can do more. I don't know that I'm even capable of doing a lot more. Listen, I understand that. But Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, they designed us to produce and increase. The command was to be fruitful and multiply, which means to constantly increase. You have the wherewithal on the inside of you uh, to increase every area of your life. And this is what I learned and this is what I did. Number seven. I began to develop leaders and not doers. Episode number 30 and 31 is developing leaders. And this is really where the, the, the things began to shift for me is we love yes men because we want to have our back uh, padded and, and be our horns tooted and everything else. But the reality, I don't need yes men around me. I need people that have creative thinking, out of the box thinking, that, that have innovative ideas, things that nobody else is doing to do what God God has called us to do. You know, uh, I didn't need people that just did what I told them. I needed people that had the, and gave the ability to the people, the ability to make a decision. Why do I have to say yes to everything? Why do I have to say no to everything? And so I needed people who had the ability to make decisions, not just people that follow people that can actually make decisions. Jesus spoke to everybody in parables. Listen, and, but yet yeah, the 12, he explained everything. He brought 12 people around him taught them everything, and then they changed the world. And this is what it looks like. You have to develop leaders. You can't just develop followers, right? Jesus was so relational, and so should we. When we take time with people around us, we will understand that relationship will develop leadership in a person. The more you develop and empower others, the greater reach and impact that you're gonna have. If it's a business, if it's a church, the more you impact, the more you uh, empower others, the greater the reach your ministry will have, right? And this is what we have to understand. Jesus commissioned them to fulfill their greatest purpose, not just employ them. And we have to understand these types of things as we move forward. And number eight, we're going to talk about, I quit focusing on those who left me. Oh, hardest thing to do, man, is to quit focusing on people that left you, people that mocked you, people that talked about you. Eight, number eight, I quit focusing on the people that left me. I did episode 32 and 33 on this, and it was focusing on those in the cor in your corner, focusing on those in your corner. And uh, what we have to realize, I, I opened up with it, John chapter six, verse 66, the, the Antichrist verse, many left him because of what he said and they didn't accept it and things like that. And you have to understand, you're gonna have those people around you all the time. Jesus had Judas around him and he knew it for three and a half years and he still kept him close to you. You're gonna have people that leave you. You're gonna have Judas's in your life, right? But you don't ever pay attention to the people that left you. If you read verse 67 of that, Jesus turned to his disciples and asked, he never addressed the ones that left. He never addressed those that walked away from him. And as leaders, if we spend all of our time, effort, and energy on people that left us, then we will miss the people that are for us and they will eventually leave us as well. If we will turn our whole attention to those that are for us and not give any attention to those that left us, I promise what you're going to under what you're going to do is you're going to empower people and you're going to cause people to feel like they're important and they're valuable to you and they're going to go all in with you they're going to understand this the more energy and effort you give to them 
right? Jesus uh, or Judas should, should generate a spirit of empowerment, right? Not a spirit of holding back responsibility. It, we should still empower people. Jesus did. He gave Judas the ability to count the money, right? He was the treasure. And so, but, and he trusted the guy that was going to betray him with the thing that we as people think is the most important thing in life, right? So eight, I quit focusing on those who left me. Number nine, and I know this is a little bit lengthier than, than normal, but number nine is I exercise the word no. Woo! No. One little word, two little letters. No. You ought to say it right where you're at. No. Right? I Episode number seven I did is the power of saying no. This is one of the ones that I've learned. I did this episode and the things that I've learned is what to say no to depends on what you're saying yes to. Every time you say yes to something, you're telling something else no what, that you've previously said yes to. And maybe you say, well, no, I haven't. Yeah, because you're dividing your energy. You're dividing your efforts up on every yes. So you may only give you know, a 10% effort into one thing because you still have 90% of the effort that you need to give into nine other things. And you have to understand that. How do you say no? When do you say no? And I learned this. When you have clear goals, it's easier to say no. When you have a clear vision, it's easier to say no because you it, the thing does the thing you're saying no to doesn't fit in the line with the goals or the vision, right? Our no's simply should revolve around our goals. It completely everything I say no to is because it doesn't affect my goals. It doesn't add value to what I'm doing. Each no should add value to our lives as well as the ability to accomplish our goals. So we have to understand this idea. When you know what your yes is, you'll know exactly what to say no to. And if you don't know what your yes is, you're saying yes to everything. But the moment you know your yes, it's easier to say no to something because it doesn't fit, right? Your greatest successes is in your no's, not in your yeses. It's not in the things you add to your life, not the things that you add to your business, not the things that you add to your to your your church and your ministry. It's the things you say no to so that you can give a all your effort into the things that you've already said yes to. Go listen to that episode. I promise you it'll be a blessing to you. And number 10, whoo, this is it, man. This is, this is the one that really, I, I think as I went through this whole one, I probably should have put this number one. But to me, this is it. I balanced between control-driven and growth-driven leadership. Number 10, the thing I did, I balanced between control-driven and growth-driven leadership. Episode 35 was growth over control. And what we have to understand is there's nothing wrong with either one of these uh, leadership styles, whether you're control driven or you're growth driven, they're both needed. They're both part of leadership and they're both part uh, of what, what is going to help you accomplish your goal. And what I realized is we went into a, an exponential growth in less than two years, over 300 people. That's huge for, for our, our area and for our church. Well, what I realized is we went away from control where I was holding people bondage to uh, doing just what I wanted to do. And I gave them freedom to expand and empower them to grow and make decisions. All of a sudden, things in our whole ministry started to shift because people fell in love with the vision. They fell in love with the place and they didn't feel like it was bondage and it began to explode. Well, the problem that I found is when I went from control to growth, the structure 
was now not wide enough. The foundation wasn't wide enough. The, the systems weren't wide enough to manage the growth. So what I did is I actually went back to control driven for, to, to a degree. And what happened is within, I'm talking about a two year period, this has all happened. I went back to control driven so that I could establish some systems. I could establish the policies. I had to adjust some policy because now our, our, it didn't fit what we were doing because of the amount of people and the demand on our life. And so you have to understand there's a season, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a season for everything under the sun. And it's okay to be control. It's okay to be growth. You just need to know when to shift. And I balanced it. I'm, that's my whole thing. Is. I balanced between control and, and growth driven leadership. Uh, could, let me give you thoughts. Control-driven leadership looks like this. In control, leadership growth will be hard to see and experience. It'll be hard to see your own growth as well as the growth of everybody around you. It'll also be hard to see the second tier and below in leadership. It, it will really be hard to see their value, their influence, their thumbprint, if you will, in the ministry if it's in control. Also in control, uh, driven leadership, growth will be evident in structure and in the foundations of an organization and not in numbers, not in clients, not in revenue. It's just simply in your structure and your foundation, which you have to have. This is why you have to balance it. Then the, in growth leadership, it looks like this. It's easy to see but the disciplines may not be evident. It's easy to see growth. It's easy to see the, the impact and of what you're doing. But you, the thing that won't be is disciplines. That, that won't be easily seen. Also in growth driven, uh, it'll, be, it'll be very evident in the second tier leaders and below. You'll see it. They'll, they'll flourish. They'll thrive. They'll grow. They'll excel. They'll, they'll celebrate with you, right? The third thing I wrote down is that in that leadership, growth will be seen in the physical evidence. You'll see it. It's, it, you can't deny the growth. This is what I mean. You can't do both. You can't have control and growth-driven style leaderships. In other words, you can't ride two horses at one time or you can't drive in two cars at the same time, right? You just can't. So you got to pick and choose. You got to balance the two to see effective growth in your life. Let me, let, listen, I appreciate you taking a few minutes, but I'm going to repeat these. The 10 things that I did. Number one, I embraced change. Number two, I began confronting things head on to promote change. Three, I stopped failing, uh, fearing failure. Four, I moved from management to leadership. Five, I chose my purpose over what everybody else was doing. Six, I increased my capacity to lead. Seven, I began to develop leaders, not doers. Eight, I quit focusing on those who left me. Nine, I, I exercised the word no. And number 10, I balanced between control-driven and growth-driven leadership. Hey, I hope this really, really helped you today because this is what I've seen in my life in the leadership growth in my own development. But it's, a, it's evident in my church with everybody that's, that's moving forward in their life. I hope this blesses you and I hope to see you at our leadership conference uh, this year or even if you can't this year because it's so late next year. Till next time, man, I'm praying for you. I'm believing God with you that the anointing of God will get all over you to help you do everything God has called you to do in Jesus' name. Connect with Terry on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts to help this message reach more people so together we can create anointed leaders all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we're believing God with you and for you that whatever you put your hand to will prosper in Jesus' name.